all in. What we've been looking at through the book of Ephesians, and if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter number 2. We'll be there in a few minutes' time. The book of Ephesians, there's an underlying theme that we see. There's some statements that are made that we call the in Christ statements. What is it that God is doing in our lives is not by our own strength, not in our own ability. They are in Christ. As we look through and we've been going through this series, we understand there's an underlying challenge to connect and grow and serve, not in our own strength, not in our own ability, but to do that in Christ. There's a foundational doctrine that, li- that goes throughout this book. And the foundational doctrine that we're embracing through this series is that we are created by God for a purpose. But we were not created by God to remain the way that He found us. Now that he were, we are in Christ, now we get to live life very differently. As we've been walking through this series, just to give you an overview of the entire book, a very quick overview. The first three chapters are the foundational doctrine chapters. And there's so much incredible, as the Bible often describes it, meat in the Word throughout the first three chapters. And we see all this tremendous doctrinal truth being laid out. And we, those are the in Christ statements. We go, because I'm in Christ, now I'm a new creation. Now I'm in Christ, I have salvation. I am now an adopted child of God. I see all these things that are, are different because we are now in Christ. Then, you ever stop to think about things and go, now what? Okay, I'm in Christ. How is my life different? And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, thought exactly that and says, well, let me tell you how life is different. The last three chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6, are the now what statements. And so we base the now what not on a list of here's all the do's that you're supposed to do just because I told you to. They are based upon what we and who we are in Christ. Many of you have children, and there's a particular stage in life they go through, and it's in their early years when they start asking the why questions. Why? Then you tell them why. Then you tell them why. And then if you're anything like, like me, my wife was far more patient, but anything like me, it was because I told you. And it was after four or five, why, why? Well, we don't want to get to the place where we just do the things seemingly for God because I told you so. We want to go back and say it's based upon a wonderful doctrinal truth that we are now different in Christ. We're going to contrast the old us with the new us. And this is written specifically to those people who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Ephesians chapter number 2, we're going to read 10 verses. And as we read this, I want you to contrast the old with the new. Let's read verses 1 through 10 of Ephesians 2. And you were, that's the old, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, now here's looking forward to the future, and here's how we are now as a result, made alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with, with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of the grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This morning we have a principle, and every Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our life. And our principle this week is an I can statement. I can walk a new way, not in my own strength and not my own ability. I can do that in Christ. You ever stop to think about all the various things that we're called to do in the Scripture? The way we're called to live a different life. Do you ever have the response, like I often do? I can't do that. I can't do that on my own. And we begin to list off all the reasons why we can't do something. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough opportunity. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough whatever it is, you know, ability. We start listing off all the things that we can't do. And we fail to recognize the, what we can do. Without Christ... That new way we can walk doesn't exist. We just end up living a different way of the old way. We want to live a new way in Christ. We're going to read Ephesians chapter number 5. The July school holidays, we went through chapter number 4. And now we are into chapter number 5. And as we go through chapter number 5 together, we're just going to read three verses this morning. Chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. And then we're going to make four application points as a result of how we can live this new life. Let's read together. Ephesians 5. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to follow along. It says there, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Oftentimes, as you look at those verses, we focus upon the don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And as you go through life, we often evaluate ourselves based upon what we don't do that someone else does. I'm much better than that person because I don't do this. And we focus on the don'ts. 
And oftentimes, even as parents, I hate to admit this, my children are in the room, we focus upon a lot of the don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. And sitting at the kitchen table and eating our food. Get your elbows off the table. Don't slouch. You know, shut your mouth when you chew. All the various things. Because someday my children go out on a date or on a person they're going to marry one day, and I want them to have good manners. I'm training them early. It's failing, but I'm training them hard. And we focus upon the don'ts. Well, here, rather than focus upon the don'ts, we're actually going to focus on the do's, but really the bees. Who are we to be as a result? Because I'll just give you a quick overview. Remember, we are now in Christ. So now I'm going to be different as a result. And this morning, we're going to look at four B's to walking in Christ. The four B's are be careful, be wise, be focused, and be purposeful. So let's get into that first one. The first B to walking in Christ is be careful. That's our first point. Look carefully then how you walk. You don't accidentally walk in Christ. You don't just wake up one day and go, I didn't mean to be obedient to God. I didn't know I was doing this. It, I would love to be able to just somehow fall into obedience with God, but my natural, and probably you, you too, our natural propensity is to do the opposite to what we're called to do. So we're challenged here to be careful then how you walk. This, through this message, we're going to see two points for every of the four points. We're going to see two points, a priority and then a result. The priority. Why is it a priority to be careful? Many of you who work in jobs where you're required to wear very fashionable clothes that are bright yellow or bright orange, high-vis colors, every morning you go to work and you have safety briefings. And you go into the, to the office and you sit there for a safety briefing every day or however, every shift and you go through and you have a safety briefing. Why is it that they tell you to be careful all the time? They remind you again and again and again and again. And some of you, that's your job is to give those safety briefings and give, give the training. And you tell people, be careful. Now, naturally, if you're anything like me, I go, I'm fine. I've, it's never happened to me before. And we, we often think to ourselves, we don't have to worry about that. That happens to other people. And we're told again and again, be careful. Proverbs chapter number 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You ever heard the statement, pride comes before the fall? It's from the Bible. We need to be very careful. Where I grew up, probably seven years old to 16. We grew up living next door to the church that I grew up in, in Gospel Baptist Church. But in the, at that time, there was a property all around. There was no houses. Now it's all houses. And there was a lake that about oh, probably a kilometer or less away, probably 800 meters away. And it was the glorified swamp, which is called Lake Jundalup. And there's snakes all through the area. And I was lectured all the time, watch out for snakes. Be careful of snakes. And I'm going to tell you my snake story, okay? 
and walking along, and we always had, I mean, fashionable, we were incredibly fashionable in the 80s. We had gumboots, and we'd wear our gumboots out there. And I always, to this day, scan for snakes. And I'm always scanning several steps ahead. And on that property next door to us where we are, it was playing, there was horses all through that area. So there was horse trails that I'd follow along. And anytime you hear rustling in the bushes, you'd stop for a moment and just make sure there was nothing out there. And my best snake story is this, okay? So lean forward. This is a good one. Walking along as I was probably no more than 12 years old, walking along the horse trail one morning, and I hear the wrestling. And my feet are like this. So I'm, I'm in a cross like this. And I hear the rustling of the, in the bushes around me. And normally it's lizards. But I look around, I didn't see anything in front of me. And I look all around, and then I, I continue to hear rustling. And I look down, and right between my legs, and I can't see the front, and I can't see the back is a tiger snake. And you know what they tell you? They're more afraid of you than you are of them. And they tell you, just stay still. I don't know if that works or not, because I ran as fast as I could and ran away. And I mean, obviously I survived. That's my best snake story, right between my legs. The key there is, after that, I was even more careful because I recognize that pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. We're commanded in Scripture to watch out for the, the Satan, watch out for, for, for his devices. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We need to be always careful in our world around us in a real practical way. We need to be really conscious of this. As soon as we sit back and go, I'm fine. I'm not as bad as those people. That's when we fall. That's when Satan has an opportunity to get into our lives. As soon as we're on the computer and we think that we're okay, as soon as we're all by ourselves and we think I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm strong enough, that's where we need to be extra careful. The result of being careful is that we get to walk in the light. We are reading Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 15. If you go down to about up to verse number 8, we see the result is walk in the light. It says, verse 8, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now we're different people. Because we're living life carefully, we're now recognizing that we're in the dark. And when you recognize you're in the dark, then we get to look for and to be the light in the world around us. The other thing is we get to live in unity. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, it says we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We get to live in fellowship with one another. And we could spend an entire message series going through unity and going through fellowship together. But it begins with an understanding that we must be careful. We must be conscious of the world around us. The second B statement we see, to the four Bs to walking in Christ, the first one was be careful. The second is be wise. 
Verse 15 continues. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I think it's interesting that we have to actually be told, pay attention, be careful. We have to be told, be wise. I believe it's because we have the natural propensity to do the opposite of both. We have the natural propensity to be frivolous, and we have the natural propensity to be unwise in our lives. We often look back upon things, if I could do that all over again, how different. Those of you who are no longer teenagers, you look back upon your teenage years. If I could do my teenage years again, how different would they be? If I could do my 20s all over again, how different? And it's not just in your investment portfolio. I would have invested in Google. It's in their interactions with others. I would have spoken so differently. I would have taken these opportunities. I wouldn't have been such a wimp. I would have been brave. I would have invested my time on my finances and things of God in this particular area, but now I can no longer live in my 20s anymore. So therefore, let's focus upon living wise today. Be careful then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. The priority we see there in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Wisdom is simply the right use of knowledge. It's not just knowledge of facts. It's the correct use of knowledge. And to add an extra to that definition, it is the godly right use of that knowledge. God has given you incredible ability. He's given you tremendous opportunities. How will you use them? You look at yourself physically and the physical abilities, and you may see them as inabilities, but God has given you physical abilities. How will you correctly use them for God? To be wise. We often spend more time planning holidays than we do planning our entire life for God. People build a house. You make plans. And if you've had the pleasure of building a home, you go through with the builder and you, and you discuss the plans and you discuss where you want the walls. And as you get into the, the more formal stage, once all the walls are, are worked out, you work out where all the PowerPoints go and you work out the color scheme and the, dif- and the different countertops and uh, which taps that you want and which tiles that you want and all the lists and they plan it all out and you hope that it all comes out on time. Luke chapter number 14, verses 28 through 30 says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. We plan building houses. We plan holidays, but we fail to plan our lives for God. And we plan so, so meticulously on the seemingly mundane, on small, insignificant things in eternity when we really should be focusing upon God. How are you molding and shaping me? How can I use this opportunity for wisdom? The result is 
that we do not become weary in well-doing. As we look at the result there, we see in Galatians chapter number 6, verses 9 and 10, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. There's two things that we see in that verse. First of all, we normally focus upon the don't grow weary. And we go, okay, I just don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. If you're running a marathon and you're trying to tell yourself, just don't get tired. Don't get tired. Don't get tired. That's not really the focus. If you're running a marathon, you want to focus on one more step, one more step. The finish line is ahead. The finish line is ahead. If you just simply focus upon what you're not doing, don't grow weary. You're going to end up falling. But the focus there is, in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's a reward to look forward to. There's a reward in heaven one day of living for God and living in Christ. There's also a satisfaction reward. There's unity in our own families. There's a blessings in our own family, in our own church. We get, to, we get to experience and be part of the results of God changing other people's lives and the impact that he's making in our life. We get to reap that reward. But then it goes also, it says, so then also we have opportunity. That word opportunity is an interesting word. I actually looked it up. And the English word opportunity is is derived from the Latin word, which means toward the port. And the thought behind that is when you're going in toward the port, all the different, the winds have to be correct. The tides have to be correct. When you're on a sailing ship and you're coming into the, the port, all the different circumstances have to be correct. And when they are, you have an opportunity to go toward the port. I came across this statement as I was studying that, that, that word. When the pilot or the person steering the ship does not know what port he is headed, no wind is the white, right wind. When we don't know which direction we are going, doesn't matter which wind it is, we're always going to be the wrong wind. If you sat down with a financial planner, I'm thinking this because I'm looking at someone right now that said this very thing. The very first question wasn't about what to do with the money, what to do with the finances, or where to invest them. The very first question was, what do you want to achieve? Let's turn that around a little bit. What, God, God, what do you want to achieve in my life? Now that I am in Christ and I'm wanting to live in wisdom, how can I live differently as a result? We see the bees, the walking in Christ. Be careful. Be wise. Next is be focused. There are so many various things in our world vying for our attention to distract us from living the life we have in Christ. There are so many small temporal little things that we think are important in the grand scheme of eternity will mean absolutely nothing. It says in verses 15 and 16, Look carefully then how you walk, making the best use of time because the days are evil. The fact is the days are evil. 
So therefore, we must make the best use of time. If you study out that, that phrase, best use of time, it has the understanding of, and some Bibles translate that word, the word redeeming, which means to buy back. And it literally means to buy up or to rescue from loss, to set free. And that phrase there, making the best use of time, is actually saying, I'm going to buy up that time. I'm going to make the very best use of it to set that time free for the things of God. With that priority, that phrase that says, because the days are evil. In the first century, when the people in the city of Ephesus would have been reading that. They would have understood that days of are evil, and the studying that I've done about that, they, they suggested that those referring specifically to the oppression of Rome. At that time, the city of Ephesus was a Roman colony. They were completely controlled by the Romans, and they were the oppression. They were oppressing them. And as a result, they said, the days are evil. The Romans are right here looking at us. It was everywhere they looked, there was Roman soldiers around them. Every time they, they went to do anything, they were, were reminded the days are evil because they were right there in front of them. How many times do we have a similar aspect in our life? We may not have Roman oppression, but we certainly have outside oppression in the world around us. When right is seen as wrong and wrong is seen as right and saying what is true from the word of God is seen as, as crazy and backward. And we look at things, we must recognize that we are living in evil days when we are not living in comfortable days. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. It's on the screen. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago. Can you relate to that even today in your, our modern world? He's saying there, don't be surprised when life is hard. Don't be surprised when your Christian faith is questioned by people who do not know Christ as their Savior. Do not be surprised when our world is acting like an unsaved world. And he's saying there, don't be surprised. He goes on, it says, Verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The priority is that the days are evil, so therefore the result is we get to live differently. Verse 19 of that passage in, in 1 Peter 4, verse 19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. We have the result of being focused is we no longer have to focus upon ourselves. We no longer have to focus upon our circumstances. It says there, we entrust our souls to a faithful creator. We understand that our focus is now no longer upon the short term. I'm hesitant to give this illustration because it will make you start thinking about food. I'm hungry. I'm starving. And those teenagers that are here, you haven't eaten in like, 35 minutes and it's you're, you're, you're in physical pain. 
and you start focusing upon something so short term. And when you start thinking about the big picture, the result is we no longer look upon the small temporal. Now God gives us a big picture perspective, big picture perspective upon our time, our finances, our attitudes, the, the way we interact with others, our relationships. And the apostles in the first century, in the first century in Jerusalem, they had just been commissioned by Jesus Christ to go into all the world to preach the gospel, to go into Antioch and Jerusalem and Samaria and into the ends of the world. We had the Holy Spirit come upon them. And now these people are in Jerusalem preaching the word of God and they're being oppressed because of it. And the book of Acts, chapter number five records, in fact, I encourage you, study and read the entire chapter of, of Acts chapter number 5. You'll, you'll get an understanding of the oppression and what was taking place. The high priest of bringing them before the religious uh, council called the Sanhedrin. And as they were being brought there, they were being brought before them because they were stirring up the entire city for the things of Jesus Christ. And they were being warned, stop sharing Jesus Christ. Now, they had a choice. What were they going to do? It says in verse number 40, And when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak. Let me, did you get that? They beat them. Now, I have no doubt that, that beating wasn't just a little tap. It wasn't just a slap. That was a proper beating. I, I'm, I, I did some work yesterday, and I'm a little sore today. I mean, you can go, go oh, but I, I didn't experience a beating. And they experienced a beating. And what did they do? And they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. What was their response? Rejoicing in that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for, for the name. And, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They made a conscious choice to suffer because they were focused upon something bigger and greater than themselves. Oftentimes we think about things that are short term. We think about the people that we have relationships with, with people where we invest our finances, and where we invest when we come to church, uh, how much time we spend in our study and how much time we spend uh, raising and developing our children. And we, we think short term. For instance, we think if I teach my children good table manners, then ah, imagine how quiet our meals will be and we can just focus on conversation. And we think really short term rather than thinking big picture in our lives. There was an actress who received a, an Emmy Award. Her name is Alex Borstein shared a story about her grandmother and a choice that her grandmother made that is making an impact even to today. To my mother, where are you, Anyukam? To my grandmother, uh, Naji, they are immigrants. They are Holocaust survivors. My grandmother turned to a guard. She was in line to be shot into a pit, and she said, what happens if I step out of line? And he said, I don't have the heart to shoot you, but somebody will. And she stepped out of line. And for that, I am here. And for that, my children are here. So step out of line, ladies. Step out of line. 
As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about my own grandmother this week and the impact that she made. I found that video a couple of weeks ago and the impact of a godly grandmother. My grandmother had a stroke this, this last sometime earlier this, this w- last week, this week. And she's in hospital and the prognosis is not good and she will pass away in the very near future. And speaking to her yesterday and she was only able to recognize me by a little bit of movement. There was no talking. So I hope that she heard my words of encouragement. But just in thanking her for the impact that she made and in the impact of in our lives. And as we look at the focus of our lives, we must be purposeful. So the fourth point there is walking in Christ, we have to be purposeful. You don't accidentally walk in Christ. Verse 17 says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the universal question of life. What is the meaning of life? You ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever been asked that question? What's the purpose of life? Well, we look at this and it says there, understand what the will of the Lord is. That is the, the, the real question to be asking. It is not happiness. It is not satisfaction. It is not comfort. It is doing and knowing and doing the will of God. The priority of knowing the will of God is that we now have a confidence in our prayers. In 1 John, in fact, you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter number 5. Verse number 13 is a verse that I often use when I talk to people about why is the Bible written? Why did God record all this scripture? It was, it's, a, it's a simple verse that says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, and here's the key, that you may know that you have eternal life. It is the will of God that you know that you have eternal life. He wants you to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The only way to have that relationship is to accept His free gift of salvation. It is not works. It is not the status. It is not your finances. It is not how good looking you are or how seemingly clever you are it comes down to your in your relationship with god have you accepted his free gift of salvation have you repented from your sins and accepted jesus christ the gospel is the good news it is the the death the burial and resurrection of jesus christ that is the will of god to know that you have eternal life we have confidence in our prayer life because when you know that you have eternal life you have a very different interaction but also, to continue on, the result of that is we experience answered prayer. That passage continues on in 1 John chapter 5. We read verse 13. Verses 14 and 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. We have the, the, have the blessing and the promise of answered prayer because we know we're not asking of ourselves, we're asking the will of God. And when we ask the will of God in our life, imagine the impact that it could make in our community around us if we simply prayed prayers like, God, will you send out laborers into your harvest because we know that's your will. 
We know it's your will that people come to know you as Savior. We know it's your will that lives are transformed. We know it's your will that I have my own personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we see answered prayer as a result. So as we go through this week, you're going to have a temptation. The temptation is to go back to the old way. Let me challenge you. As those four points are on the screen, it says, Be careful, be wise, be focused, and be purposeful. I want you to mold them around in your mind and filter through the actions that you take this week. Am I being careful? Am I being wise? Am I living focused? Am I living a life of purpose? My challenge to you as you go home and you have lunch this afternoon, challenge each other. I'll be challenging my kids. How many of these points do you remember? And if they have all four, I'll get, let them have dessert. And so but that's just the reason why I do that, not to be silly, but just get it in your mind. Because w- when you leave here, it's so quick to forget. But when we process it and allow God to work in us and through us, that's when we can li- walk a new way in Christ. Why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer? The musicians are going to come. We're going to sing a song in, in just a moment. But as we prepare our hearts, my hope and my desire for us today is that we live differently. And if we look around, we say, God, you did what only you could do. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your love and your care. We thank you that we can live our lives in Christ. Not in our own strength, not in our own abilities, but in you. Lord, as we live this new life in you, Lord, I pray that you will do what only you can do so we can give you the glory and the praise that you deserve. As we go out this week, we're going to be faced with temptations to go back to the old way of living. So Lord, I pray that we will be careful. We will live lives of wisdom. We will be very purposeful in our actions and we will be focused. And in Jesus' name, amen.